Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Everybody wants to be a cat. That's been stuck in my head for days, like, just like a very, like, slow, like, everybody wants to be a cat, because a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. So I know that's from aristocrats or cats, but like, all it reminds me of is the fact that I still have not seen Cats, the movie. You know what? You're all right. You're all right. You don't need to see it. but like... I feel like I feel like that's the Pandora's box that kind of let us into this mess. And so I feel like I need to witness it for myself. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's you make a strong point. Uh, but maybe do, huh? for every person who witnesses it, the disasters will get worse. Oh, that's true. Maybe. But at the same time, maybe it's like. It's like the ring where if you watch it and like then you're doomed, but then you have to like to fix it you have to like copy it and share it with some like right isn't that how the ring ends like, i think that is how the ring the works video. yeah yeah you're so i you're think if right. we all watch cats then the cycle will be complete we will have become immune as it were <laughs> yeah the cats will go back into their gutter drains and <laughs> oh. the jellicle ball will be over uh <laughs> And we will have all gone in the UFO to cat heaven and we can be done with this this dumpster yeah. yard of a world. <laughs> this is an extremely topical <laughs> topic for a movie that came out how many months ago? Right. But here we are. That cat that cat's movie had an effect on us, man. Andrew Lloyd really Webber does. does have an effect, doesn't he? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Some yes. kind of effect. It's it's not always a great effect. Uh, although I will I say, I argue it's rarely a great effect. I mean, I am not a big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. Evita. Mm, nah. <laughs> nah. Phantom. Sorry, doesn't come do anything on. For me. Phantom. Phantom. We've discussed my opinions on Phantom. <laughs> but you have to acknowledge where it exists in 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 the pantheon. You know, like oh, for sure, it has a huge uh, place in the pantheon of musicals. But so does Rent, which I also hate. I don't know why I'm friends with you. <laughs> I actually, I I think I'm gonna. I think we have to stop doing the show. Okay. I, well, this has been fun. Thanks, everybody. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> Until Jen gets some fucking taste, I can't be bothered. <laughs> oh, listen, give me Sondheim or... Okay, wait, are you really going to say, like, Company is better than Rent? I, I haven't seen Company. Um, Into the Woods better than Into Rent? Into the Woods is weird, but, like, okay, Sweeney so, like, Todd is Sweeney better. Sweeney Todd is your one example. <laughs> no, uh, Sondheim did other stuff that's good. Didn't Sondheim write all the lyrics to West Side Story or something? Is West Side Story going to be what you're going to hang your hat on? Because that's not a great musical either. (laughs) Well, neither is Rent. (laughs) I maintain that Rent is musically interesting. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of, like, company isn't necessarily. Uh, Sweetie Todd is. I think think he does that well. I, I think that, I don't know, there's... There's a lot of people who've produced a lot of plays. The other night uh, on PBS, I watched Carousel. And you know what I Mm. discovered? What? 
Rodgers and Hammerstein weren't always that great. Carousel's fucking terrible. All right. Good to know. I got through that and I was like, oh, oh, I hate this. Mm, it's kind of like the, the reworked version of Cinderella. Carousel is? No, 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 no. I mean, like, how the, the newer, they, like, rewrote sections of the Cinderella musical. Oh. And it's bad now. Huh. I'll have to keep an eye on that. <laughs> uh, this is not a musical podcast, despite our many efforts. Right. That'll be our next podcast. Yeah. So, guys, hi. Uh, welcome to uh, This Podcast is Haunted. I'm Kate. I'm Jen. And we're stuck inside. We are fucking stuck inside. It's true. So we are coming, we are remote. We are not together. It's kind of like Jen's back in grad school, but she sounds less stressed out. So. Well, stressed for a different reason, but yeah. Right on. Quick plug, just talking about stress. Uh, If you are looking for some stress relief and you don't hate Andrew Lloyd Webber, he, he started a YouTube channel called The Show Must Go On. And every Friday night, he's streaming one of his shows and you guys should check that out. Well, all right. So I mean, I'll say this for Phantom. It is a spectacle. It is. And the music's fucking good. I'm sorry. There are some really great songs in that. (sighs) There are some good songs. They could have uh, gone way easier on the synth. Yes. Well, it was the 80s. (laughs) Yeah. I think if they just reworked the entire, like, score to not include the synth. Jen, I think that's blasphemy. I think... Mm. I, mm, I mean, I feel the same way about the Titanic soundtrack, to be honest. There's synth I think the Titanic soundtrack? Yeah, you, you know that whole choral part where they go, ha, 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 oh, ha, 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 yeah. That is not a human choir. You can tell because it is too short and unnatural. It's a, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Very clearly someone pressing a key. That's hilarious. I've never thought about it before. Yeah, I love it. Spent too much time listening to it. Right. Well, you and Megan listen to soundtracks while you work. Um, I do. Yeah. And like, I listen to soundtracks with words. Like, I don't often just listen to instrumentals. So I miss Mm. a lot of. Like, you'll talk to me about like Jimmy's theme or whatever uh, from from Downton Abbey or something. (laughs) Jimmy. Oh no 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 no. (laughs) This is. What I was talking to you about was Stephen Bonnet's theme. Oh, from, from Outlander. Outlander. Who is played by the same actor who plays Jimmy in Downton Abbey. I promise you, if you played that music for me, I would not be able to tell you what show it was from or what character it was related to, because my brain just you doesn't... You probably guess it was Outlander, because it has that very kind of Scottish-y sound to it. Oh. But my brain just doesn't pick up on music that doesn't have words. Like, I listen to it. Sure. I enjoy it. Uh, sometimes I'll specifically seek it out. But if it doesn't have words, my brain is like, this is just noise. We don't have to care about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's kind of anyway, a weird, weird thing. We have somehow fallen back into talking about music. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess stay tuned for our musical podcast, which is apparently debuting right now. Uh, this is our first episode. Welcome. Uh, today's topic, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh <laughs> Where things went wrong. Uh, Yeah, okay, so... Cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Cocaine in the Bible, the Andrew Lloyd Webber story. Ooh. Yeah. So, but what we're really here to talk about is ghosts. Yay! Yeah, we're we're gathered here today because in order to escape the existential dread of living in today's society or lack thereof, 
we have been turning to our ever-present comfort food haunted ass buildings beautiful um, and i and i say buildings because we're not talking about houses this week we're talking about hotels hotels so many Yay. great haunted hotel stories out there guys Mm-hmm. yep and we came upon this topic because we we're struggling and so i just wanted to go back to what i felt was most comfortable and for me that is stephen king and the shining so <laughs> have you read it or have you watched it i have done both okay oh you're very impressive I'm very proud of myself. Uh, I, I watched the movie because I was thinking, like, I really should get around to watching some classic horror canon. So I watched The Shining. It's a very good movie. I wouldn't say it's very scary, to be honest. Yeah, it's more um, uh, almost atmospheric, right? It is pretty atmospheric. And it has some interesting departures from the book that I will get into. I have a lot of opinions about both. Although I haven't seen the movie in a long time. So I will try my best to remember it. And so if I make a judgment on the movie and you're like, but that's not how it is. Forgive me. It's been years since I've seen it. But I did more recently read the book. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. You will be possibly upset to learn that I have neither seen nor read. Well, and that's I, fine. That just means that I can say anything I want about it. And, and I will not challenge you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of people know some basics about uh, the Shining, even if you haven't seen it or read the book, it's about a family who lives in a hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or is that, did you know that? Do, what do you know about The Shining? So, okay. All right. I'll tell you. <clears throat> okay. So The Shining is yes. about a family, a mother, a father, and a son. And yes. they maybe don't have a great relationship. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The dad takes a job as like the winter curator, the winter estate <laughs> manager. I don't know. You've been in museums too long. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, and and like he was going to go and take care of this this winter property where people mm-hmm. they, like you physically can't get in or get out because it's up in the mountains. Right. And while they're there, the dad either goes crazy or ghosts make him go crazy. I don't actually know if it actually is supposed to be haunted or if it's like <laughs> the craziness of being isolated makes mm. you like see things and dream things. I don't know. Um, now, it's interesting that you say that because I think in the movie it is actually kind of unclear. Oh, okay. Which I find kind of interesting. But um, very Stephen King. It's very Stephen King, although that is kind of a significant departure from this the novel. Oh. Um, yeah. So I guess we could talk about this now. I had all of my, my Stephen King stuff. Wait, let me just dead. tell you how it ends. Okay. So the dad goes crazy. He's like abusing the mom. Here's Johnny. And then he yep. freezes to death. But I don't know how he gets outside. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the whole plot for people. But okay. um so essentially, yeah, you, the bare bones of the story are correct. Uh, Jack Nicholson and family, Shelley Duvall, who I think is brilliant. So yeah, they, they spend the winter or they're supposed to spend the winter in this hotel being the, the winter caretaker because as we'll get into this hotel in the mountains of Colorado is uh, shut down for the winter. Um, and uh, where it kind of like 
divulges uh, significantly, I think, from the book is that um, I think that the movie is a little more ambiguous about like the hauntings of the hotel, like whether it is really happening or whether it's kind of like all in their head. And it's more about like, um, but now I'm kind of like disagreeing with myself because what Stephen King's major uh beef with the movie was that he thought Jack Nicholson played the role uh too like kind of crazy initially where he wanted he the way he wrote the story was that, that here's this man who's very normal very well adjusted and they come to this hotel and like slowly throughout the story it like drives him mad but so it's kind of like novel, supposed to be like a Charlotte Perkins Gilman thing where you're yeah. alone and then you're looking at the wallpaper and now there's people looking yeah. at you back. Yeah, except um, in the novel, there is clearly an entity in the hotel and the hotel is basically like a character unto itself and it's like Ooh. sentient and it's like wanting to kind of like consume um, the Torrance family and like drive them crazy, but also has their eyes specifically on Danny Torrance, the little boy, because he is telepathic and so he's what yes yeah there's this whole um like plot about so like the shining the thing that is the shining is like they're the novel's way of referring to danny torrance's like abilities that's what it's called it's a shining yeah gun to my head had you asked me what that was i would have told you that was like the name of the hotel or something yeah, no, no. The name of the hotel in the story is The Overlook. Oh, so, okay. Yes, yeah. So I think it's an interesting story. Yeah, like I I wasn't really expecting the whole like ESP thing to be quite as heavy of a plot point in the book as it is because it's not like it is in the movie, like the whole like Danny Torrance like kind of talks with his little finger and he goes, Red Rabbit, you know, that's him talking to his invisible friend Tony, who, fun fact, in the book is not invisible to him. He can see him and like interact with him. So there's there's significant differences between the two. Oh, um, huh. neat. Yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I'll get back to that more in a minute. So in the book it and the in the movie, the hotel where they're living in is called the Overlook Hotel, and it's in the mountains of Colorado. This is because uh, in the 70s, Stephen King stayed a night in the Stanley Hotel, which is in Estes Park, Colorado, which is... Um, I'm sorry, did you say Testes Park? I said Estes. Oh. Estes. Estes. Yeah, yeah. But like throw a T on the beginning of that and I wouldn't have been crazy. You're, yes, you're correct. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to check. But yeah, E-S-T-E-S Park, Colorado. Um, It's just northwest of Denver, uh, right by Rocky Mountain National Park. So it's like nestled right in the midst of the Rocky Mountains. Cool. Um, Yeah. So... A little history on the area. A little history about the area. It was once known only to the nomadic tribes, the Ute and the Arapaho. Uh, they kind of traveled through their hunting and, and such. Um, but in 1872, the first white man came, the Earl of Dunraven. He visited the area and called it a sportsman paradise, which means, of course, that it's going to be ruined. Uh, <laughs> 
He saw rushing streams, peaceful meadows, teeming with fish and game, and he wanted to keep the valley to himself as a private hunting preserve, which is the most uh, British aristocratic thing you could do. Unfortunately, more Americans found out about it and spoiled it for him. Sad. (laughs) One of these Americans who found it was uh, Freeland Oscar Stanley. So he came to the area in 1903. Um, He was a co-founder with his twin brother uh, of the Stanley Motor Carriage Company in Massachusetts. Oh. They built steam-powered cars, uh, among other things. Uh, so he yeah yeah so he was definitely like an east coast mass hole rich guy Uh, (laughs) and like most people at that time he was uh consumptive so he he went to that area he was weak and underweight and suffering from consumption or tuberculosis and he spent the summer there and afterwards he felt much better which reminds me of basically every wilderness at the time was used as kind of a health cure for the consumptive because um, turns out fresh air and sunshine are good for you, good for your lungs. So go outside, everyone. Get your daily dose of fresh air and sunshine. Ugh. Um, <clears throat> it's sunny today. You should go outside. Yeah. So he... Felt much better after spending the summer in Colorado, and he vowed to spend every summer there for the rest of his life. But unlike the Earl of Dunraven, he wanted friends (laughs) to be around him. So he and his wife, Flora, uh, they had this idea to bring more East Coast society to Colorado. So they decided to build a huge and grand hotel that would rival all of the Grand Edwardian hotels on the East Coast. Uh, So they started building what would become the Stanley Hotel, and it would open in 1909. A good time Uh, for hotels. Good time for hotels. Yeah, this was like a really nice, fancy, modern hotel. Um, Unlike our friends in Downton Abbey, they built the hotel in 1909 to have electric lights, telephones, ensuite bathrooms, all the luxury items you could ever want in an American hotel. Uh, Because of this, they had to develop the surrounding area. And so by 1917, it was designated as an official municipality. And so that's really when the town of Estes Park (laughs) became a thing. So it was definitely like build the hotel and then like the rest of the town will follow. Sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is kind of like the history of like what the hotel was. It ran for a while as a luxury hotel. And then as most hotels do, it kind of became run down over time. And um, it's still open today, I think, um, in large part to Stephen King. Otherwise, it definitely probably would have been long gone and torn down probably by the 80s. Um, really? Yeah, it was like a little sad looking in the 70s. And then Stephen King wrote The Shining. And then they have a whole tourist trade around that now. Wow. So, yeah, good job, Stephen King. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they trade in Stephen King tours, but also in ghost tours. Because independent of Stephen King, uh, this hotel is haunted as fuck. <laughs> As almost every hotel must be, right? Like, yeah, so much energy. Yeah, so that's 
actually really interesting. Like from everything that I was reading, like I was trying to find like some big tragic stories that happened here and everything said like it was a pretty normal hotel throughout its time. Uh, like bad things happen, but like no more than any other hotel. It was actually had a pretty like good life and people were there for the summer being happy and like not a ton of tragedy happened there yeah which is interesting but that's not to say that things didn't happen there and it's still very haunted notably the the founders freeland oscar stanley and flora have been seen in the hotel flora apparently uh plays the piano in the concert hall Um, yeah there's nothing worse than ghostly piano i think I I see your ghostly p- piano and I raise you ghostly children singing. Okay, you're right there, which contributes in part to my fear, general fear of child ghosts. Yeah, yeah, I, we've discussed that before. Absolutely, we have it's valid this, fear. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So one thing that did happen, um, I didn't have like a whole lot of documented stories of like. This happened in this year when it was running as a hotel. It's mostly like, I have one story of that, and then the rest of it is just like what people have seen. Uh Uh-huh. So in the 1920s, uh, there was a gas leak that led to an explosion in room 217. It happened when a maid, Elizabeth Wilson, was, uh, she was lighting acetylene lanterns in room 217 because uh, I think the electricity had gone out. Uh Uh-huh. So she was lighting lanterns and there was like a leak and it caused an explosion. Yes. At which threw her back and she survived, but <sighs> broke two of, she broke both of her ankles. Oh. Um, yeah. So she must have been thrown like a rag doll. To, to hit something ankles first is, you got, yeah, you got you blasted you sideways. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So. So uh, acetylene is really powerful. If you if you think of somebody lighting a um, like something that they're going to use to cut through like a steel wall mm. or 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 welding stuff, that's acetylene. It's like oh, very okay. bright, very rough. Okay. Yeah. I Poor wonder girl. why they chose to use that. Maybe that's the only fuel they had on hand. Well, and it um, also it burns bright but cheaply. So. Oh, okay. She did survive, and she recovered, and she returned to her job, and she actually stayed in that job until her death at the age of 90. Wow. Uh, Right? (laughs) Like, she probably died recently if she lived that long. Yeah, yeah. So the 1920s, I'm assuming she could have been, like, 20 or so. So she could have died as late as 1990. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Although I think... I think she must have been older than that because she factors into Stephen King's story. Oh, okay. So she must have been fairly, she must have died before the 70s or something. Anyway, so soon after her death, uh, the hotel started hearing reports of a spectral chambermaid hovering and walking through closed doors in the rebuilt rooms. So it sounds like she was kind of walking through like the original floor plan that she would have been used to at that time. <laughs> Sorry, it gave me yeah. jitters. Yeah, but uh, that's so spooky. Um, yeah, so unmarried couples who have spent the night at that room uh, sharing a bed have reported an invisible entity forcing them apart as they sleep. 
<laughs> like single make man. space for Jesus, like that sort yeah. of. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like imagine oh. the most cantankerous old woman who's like, Mm-mm, "You are not married. Get away." Not today, Satan. Not in my hotel. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, single men who have woken to find their bags packed and outside their doors. <laughs> Just like, all right, Sunny Jim, be moving along. Get a, get out, please. Yeah, one staff member was quoted as saying, Mrs. Wilson does what she wants to who she wants. What a horrifying statement. Yeah, and also, I kind of love her. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is on the second floor, but most of the stories actually uh, kind of pertain to the fourth floor. In room 401, uh, there have been reports of seeing the the Irish Lord Dunraven appearing in this room. Uh, As I said before, he was the first European to uh, come to the area and uh, use... and and hunt there. Um, So he never actually stayed in the hotel because it was built... Um, after he had left because he was salty and didn't want to hang out with people. But um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but it, the hotel was actually built on land that he owned, so it's possible that he was just hanging out in the area and was like, well, I guess I'll just hang out here since this is where I was. This is my land. Get off. Uh, yeah. So women in the closet have felt their hair being played with, an arm around their shoulder or waist, uh, or a hand moving up the back of their leg, which is upsetting. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, Men don't feel welcome in the room um, and have felt someone pressing them down into the bed. Well, yeah. And uh, jewelry has gone missing. Uh, there was a ghost hunters show, of course, and they did an investigation of the hotel and uh, Jason, apparently one of the hosts, I didn't watch this show, slept in this room. He set a drinking glass on the table and it imploded while he was sleeping, apparently. Huh. Yeah. Well, all right then. I guess that's not nothing. No. Yeah. I've seen that. I, I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it on YouTube and I didn't search further than that uh so um so in room 407 uh there have been reports of be people being tucked in the little boy said he that he kept kicking his blankets off during the night but they kept coming back up Uh, his mother said that she hadn't woken during the night and certainly wouldn't have been the one tucking him in constantly that's kind of nice yeah I mean, I guess. (laughs) As far as, like, I'd rather have that than, like, some, like, randy old Irish lord, like, putting his arm around my waist in the closet. Right. Gross. Uh, There was another woman who reported feeling someone sit on the edge of the bed. Uh, When she turned on the light, there was no one there, but there was an indentation on the bed. (gasps) I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. So in room 418, there have been ghost children. Nope. Which is terrifying. Nope. Yeah. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because the, something else I was reading said that no children have ever, ever like died in the hotel. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like people coming back here because it's like where they were happy. 
or something. Or maybe their parents worked for the hotel. Yeah, maybe. In this room, covers are sometimes removed in the night as opposed to the other one where they're being tucked in. Hangers in the closet move on their own. Bathroom lights turn on and off on their own. And once a four-year-old girl stayed the night with her mother, she reported being tickled by a little boy. She asked him to stop, and he did. Very nice kid. Yeah, good. Consent is sexy. Uh, (laughs) And I'm not... But, like... Also, when your children consent in plain is good. Um, <laughs> Bodily autonomy. Let's uh, let's, let's call it that, that and stop yep. saying the word consent about children. What's next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in room 428, there's a ghost cowboy. There is once a couple who awoke in the night to find a figure of an old West cowboy pacing back and forth at the end of their bed. Um, they asked him to leave and he approached the bed leaning over as if to kiss the lady on the forehead and then left. Um, other female guests have awoken to likewise find him leaning in to kiss their forehead. So I wonder with that one, it feels like, you know, maybe there was like a a couple that like, and, and the man was like a cowboy and they like stayed there and, but like his lady was sick or something and he was worried about her. That's what I, I mean, feel like. That's very sweet. Anyway, um, so in room 413, people have seen a man in old-fashioned clothes standing in the corner of the room um, and then also the face of a man in a blue ball has been seen on the outside door of the room, which I do not understand. Which I do not like. No. Like, just, like, a face floating within, like, a blue orb? Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Hard pass. Hard pass. Don't like that at all. I don't like the idea of, like, walking up to a door and seeing that because then you have to wonder, like, what's going on in that room? For real. I don't know. There are other areas of the hotel um, that are also very haunted. Like I said, the concert hall, Flora, the, the wife of the original mr stanley Mm -hmm. has been um heard tickling the ivories um there also was a man named paul who worked in the hotel from 1995 to 2005 oh recent yeah this is a recent haunting um (laughs) which maybe again think of the meme of 2007 ghosts dancing in their room to britney spears um (laughs) (laughs) This, this man could conceivably have been doing that. So he was, uh, in life, he was kind of a jack of all trades, and he had a lot of different duties at the hotel. Uh, <laughs> one of the f- duties, yeah. Uh, one of his duties <laughs> was enforcing <laughs> the hotel's 11 p.m. curfew, which is wild that in the 90s there was a curfew. <laughs> so, Do you mean, like, quiet hours? It said curfew, but maybe, I think it was, no, I th- maybe it was just, like, shooing people out of the, like, public areas of the that hotel. That could be. Like, I don't know. Wow. How strange. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. There was one day when he was working, he started feeling chest pains, and he was taken to the hospital, but he died of a heart attack on the way. Sad. But after his death, there have been reports of people hearing a faint get out in the concert hall after 11 p.m. <laughs> as if he's, 
Yeah. That's not ominous at all. Um, get out. Get out. Just like whispered in your ear. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, nope. All my hair is standing yeah. up. Don't like that. Don't like that at all. Um, one construction worker felt a physical nudge towards the door at the concert hall. And, and tour groups have witnessed their flashlights flickering. So that's fun. Yeah, there's also been reports of children in the concert hall, which again is terrifying. Um, <laughs> on tours, guests are often asked if they are, quote, good with kids, uh, which would thankfully spare me from this experiment. But <laughs> I think you would uh, you would probably respond yes. I probably um, would, pe- yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who do respond yes have been given uh, like dum-dum suckers. And uh-huh. told to, like, hold them out on the palm of their hands um, as if handing it to a child. Um, the person telling this story did so and felt the sucker drag from the the palm of their hand and fall to the floor. It Okay. So that's very scary. Mm-hmm. But also yeah. it makes me sad <laughs> that... Because they can't have the sucker? Yeah. I, I, okay, so I'm going to sound like a person from a van. But I love giving kids candy. And I know, I know, but like, trust me, for me, it's totally altruistic. Uh, I never, like for all my nieces and nephews, I never show up without a purse full of dum-dums or yeah. And so like the kid, the little ghost kid can't have any candy and I don't like that. Yeah. It's almost like you're taunting them. Like here, kid, have this candy. (laughs) You can't have it because you're incorporeal. Incorporeal. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, so sad. Speaking of children, years ago, allegedly there was a young girl named Lucy who was, as some report her being between 12 and 13, um, which is very sad, um, who was found squatting in the basement of the concert hall in the 1970s. Oh. Uh, Yeah, it's very sad, and it's about to get sadder. The hotel was closed at the time, so she was found by uh, some contractors who were getting ready to start construction on the area. And she was, you know, basically kicked out and told to leave. And the night dipped below freezing since it no. was the off season. And she ended up freezing to death on the streets of Estes Park. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, right. Man, now we've bummed me out. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I did know that this would would severely bum you out. Uh, <laughs> but so since then, uh, she has been seen and even photographed in the concert hall and the basement below where she was found. So there was a, a, I mean, they have ghost tours like all the time here for obvious reasons. And so there was this one person who was on a ghost tour and they were taking pictures and they were walking from the concert hall down into the basement and they were snapping a bunch of photos. And later they looked back and they saw this one, uh, which we'll post, that uh, you can see there's a man walking down the stairs. And according to them, that is their tour guide. And so according to them, again, like with ghost photos like this, you have to basically just take the person at their word because this could very easily be faked. Right. Um, but if they're telling the truth, that's the tour guide. And there was no one walking in front of the tour guide it was just he was leading the way and they're following behind but you can very clearly see next to the man there is a small figure of what looks like a young girl wearing a bright pink dress yes oh 
Yikes. I mean, it's very clearly in the picture. And so yeah. you basically just have to assume that they're telling the truth, that there was no one else right. uh, that they saw at the time. That's very spooky. Um, and so a lot of people think that this is uh, Lucy. Poor kid. Um, yeah. So she has been kind of seen in like... Uh, there have been reports of her wandering around the concert hall, tampering with lights. She's been known to answer questions from staff and ghost hunters by flashing lights. People have also heard melodious humming, um, and she tends to lighten the energy and mood. So she Aww. appears to be like a very like positive spirit, which I find good. Like refreshing. Yeah, like for someone who had such a sad end like you could definitely see her like haunting the shit out of everyone and like yeah but yeah she just appears to be a very kind of like happy spirit that's maybe a little mischievous at times but cute yeah so there's another uh individual spirit uh named eddie um, so there's no known connection to the property with this spirit. And I'm not really sure how they've named him Eddie. Maybe they just, I don't know, like name things like you name anything sure. when you're working at a hotel and bored and trying and spooked out. But he was originally called the Stinky Man. No. A, yeah, because he emitted a foul odor. Um, and apparently people have mentioned this to the spirit and he has since started exuding a more pleasant smell. Oh, how kind of him. Which is, yeah, interesting. They've also said that his presence seems to cause discomfort, people think, because he led a life of hardship. And he tends to play pranks on guests and women have complained of feeling their hair being stroked and cheeks being kissed. Ugh. Which, uh, is gross, but... <laughs> I think the article said he was like a ladies' man, and I was like, "Fuck that noise!" <laughs> like, that's not great. Yeah. So a lot of these accounts come from um, an article I found on Thought Catalog. It's called 17 Unsettling Staff and Guest Stories of Hauntings at the Hotel The Shining" is based on. Other sources I used were uh, the spooky story behind Colorado's haunted Stanley Hotel um, on uh, out there, Colorado, and then the Stanley Hotel website, and Wikipedia, of course. So anyway, this kind of all leads back to uh, Stephen King, who has uh, confirmed that his stay in the, in the Stanley Hotel was his inspiration for writing The Shining. So he says on his website uh, that in late September of 1974, Tabby, who his wife, and I spent a night... At a grand old hotel in Estes Park, the Stanley. We were the only guests, as it turns out. The following day, they were going to close the place down for the winter. Wandering through its corridors, I thought that it seemed the perfect, maybe the archetypal setting for a ghost story. That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulders, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over with an inch um, within an inch of falling out of the bed, I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair, looking out the window at the Rockies. And by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. That's awesome. So he was also apparently staying in room 217, which, as you remember, was the room that Mrs. Wilson yes. uh, almost died in. 
And some have also said that's that's the presidential suite, but I think it was, yeah, I think it's like a, a nice room that they were given because they were the only ones staying in the hotel. Sure. So, yeah, I think uh, some have also said that he ran into the ghost of Mrs. Wilson. Uh, he doesn't mention it in his story, but, you know, I think he might have said that at other times. Right. Based on that stay, he he had also like had the idea for writing a story about a boy with uh, ESP already kind of like spinning around in his head. So he kind of combined the two ideas to make The Shining. And so room 217 features heavily in the book. Um, that's the main room where like all of the spooky shit happens and like emanates from. Cool. Fun fact, in the movie... Uh, the room is 237, and that's because they filmed the, the exteriors at the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. And they have a room 217, but the hotel didn't want guests to like be freaked out by staying in that room. Sure. So they made them change it to 237, which doesn't exist in the hotel. That's um, a good way to kind of control that situation. Yeah, and it's a pretty easy fix, but <laughs> most people who have only seen the movie won't know that the real number was 217. Um, and it wasn't like it happened in that hotel anyway. It was in a different hotel. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we talked about a bit about the book and the movie. I highly recommend reading the book. I have kind of different opinions on Stephen King. I think sometimes his work is really good. And sometimes it's really trite. <laughs> and I think, I think The Shining is kind of a combination of that. It's, I think it is, it was his third novel and first bestseller. Um, so I, I think there is something, it is one of his best books. Um, but I have read some other of his books that are really not good at all. And so I, I, I don't really see Stephen King as like the king of horror or anything. Sure. I think he like, he he's a very prolific writer and so sometimes it's a hit and sometimes it's a miss um i will tell you i've only ever seen a couple of his movies and i've never read any of his books what movies have you seen i've seen the new version of it both of them okay Mm -hmm. uh i've seen firestarter carrie what else the Body, which is Stand By Me. Uh, I actually own that book. I was going to read it. Maybe, I, I don't know, I have all this time. Maybe I will. But yeah, I I just haven't, I don't really have an opinion on him. I like the movies that are made on his works. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of his ideas are original and interesting. Yeah, I think he writes, like, s- there's some degrees to which, like, some of the movies kind of cut out some of the excess fat that are in his books because his books are very long. Yeah, Um, that's probably fair. I I know my mother-in-law really likes him. Uh, Her favorite mm -hmm. is 112263, which was a great miniseries. Yeah, okay. So that one I think is actually my favorite Stephen King book. I haven't read many, um, Mm -hmm. but that one I think is the most kind of like cohesive. Although I feel like there's, there's a tendency with him for like there to be some kind of like M. Night Shyamalan twist of like some supernatural entity that's happening but uh-huh. like I almost would have rather that not happen in eleven twenty two sixty three. like <laughs> it kind of just takes this turn in the like last quarter of the book where you're just like oh that's what's happening and I, I mean it explains the whole like time travel thing but also I'm like 
can't we just have inexplicable time travel? <laughs> yeah, Outlander does. <laughs> yeah. Why does there need to be some weird explanation behind it? And I watched the miniseries, and it's it's not as good. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I think the book is better than the miniseries. I might have to um, take that one on sometime, because I do remember liking James... the miniseries. So you told a story about a very, very, very focused, very famous Stephen King story. I also am doing A Haunted Hotel with a Stephen King uh, connection. Hmm. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about the Congress Plaza Hotel, which is in Chicago, Illinois. Ooh, okay. I'll I'll tell you right off the 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 knob that the mm-hmm. connection is actually one of Stephen King's short stories called Room 1408. Okay, which you told me about ahead of time, but I have I have not read the book. That's quite or all right. Seen any, so I don't know anything about the story. Um, I I have never read it, but I saw the movie with John Cusack in 2007 when it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Remember theaters? Ah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we shan't focus on it. We shan't. We'll be there again. We will. Life will start again. Um, So the Congress Plaza Hotel is actually related to what I think of as the highest point of Chicago's history. Do you if you were to place a guess, what would you think it would be? Uh, I mean, my head immediately goes to the Chicago World's Fair in uh, 1893. That's the one that's yes. That was like the peak time for Chicago. Now, I've said before a little bit I hate Chicago. I recognize, though, that it is a fantastic city. I just can't stand driving through it. My 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 basis. Which is very fair. Yeah, it's got bad traffic, and uh, it makes me insane. And my whole life has been about avoiding Chicago. So (laughs) Hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the, the Congress Plaza Hotel is one of the hotels I hope I get a chance to stay in someday. It's a really, really beautiful hotel. It's located on South Michigan Avenue. Uh, it's got beautiful views of Grant Park. Uh, the actual address, should you be interested in going there, is 520 South Michigan. Uh, it's an 11-story structure, and it was built for the Chicago World's Fair, which is also called the Columbian Exposition. Yes. Uh, so do you know why Columbian? I do. Uh, it was... It was the 400th, or supposed to yes. be on the 400th anniversary of Columbus landing in the Americas in 1492, but it had to get put off a year because of reasons, and so it opened in 1893 instead of 1892 that it was originally planned. I read The Devil in the White City, and I am a little bit obsessed with the Colombian World Fair. Fantastic. Did you see that they're going to do a movie of it? I did, and I'm so excited. Isn't Leonardo DiCaprio playing H.H. H. Holmes? Yes. That's what I read, and I'm so, so excited. Our boy Leo. Very exciting. Oh, it's going oh. to be so good. I'm I'm really excited. I need to read that book. I own it, but I haven't cracked it. So, oh. again, good quarantine set every other Yeah, every other book you were just planning on reading during quarantine, set it aside. Read oh. Devil in the White City. I'm telling really? you, this, it's riveting. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I see. You. It's like, I like a perfect amount of like history of like this is what was going on in the World's Fair and also like creepy as shit true crime. So perfect. Good. All right. All right. I will. St- I'm. I'm in the middle of uh, the naked Viscount. Uh, but then oh. <laughs> once yes, I yes. get through Finish that, that one first. 
<laughs> so what's interesting about this hotel to me from an architectural standpoint is that it's actually two buildings that they've kind of knit together. Um, so mm. it, it looks like Love two it. separate buildings that are connected for about four stories. And it actually is made up of a bunch of very notable rooms and and places. Um, so I'm going to take you through uh, some of those. Um, there are 817 rooms together between the North Tower and the South Tower. Damn. I know. <laughs> it's a um, lot of rooms. It's, it's a lot of space, yeah. 800 of those rooms are actually in the South Tower, which is um, slightly larger and slightly newer. Originally, mm-hmm. the hotel was just North Tower. And when it was built... It actually wasn't built to access Grant Park. It was built to access a theater that was there called the Auditorium Theater. Together, those the, uh, the Auditorium Theater and the North Tower were actually connected underneath the road with what they call Peacock Alley. Unfortunately, you cannot see Peacock Alley today, but during the World's Fair, uh, which ran from May to October of 1893... Peacock Alley was all white marble, uh, beautiful uh, space, very elegant, a stone passageway uh, between those two structures. I would love to see it. I really, I really want to see it. I couldn't even find any good photos of it. Inside the North Tower, there's also the gold room. Guess why it's called that? Is it covered in gold? It's covered in gold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's it's a ballroom or a banquet room. And it's actually the first ballroom or banquet room hotel to be air-conditioned, that one room. Ooh. See, and this is what I love, again, about American ingenuity, because you would never see that shit in England or the the European continent because they were too old-fashioned. Sorry, <laughs> I've been binging Downton Abbey. And it is just wild to me how long they put off luxuries. And then they always, like, make a huge deal about, oh, the Americans do this. And it's like, fuck, yeah, we do, because we want to be comfortable. Right. (laughs) We don't care about tradition. Well, and kind of the 1893 World's Fair was sort of what what set up that American exceptionalism and that American drive Mm -hmm. for comfort. It really... Yeah, because it was all about celebrating new technology, which was like... One of the most American things ever. Well, it used to be anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So jumping back into these notable spaces, uh, like I said, there's the North Tower. That's the original. It is also the most haunted. We'll talk about that. (gasps) So excited. South Tower is more early 20th century. It has 800 rooms. So the the North Tower has a lot of the public spaces and then the, you know, banquet halls, ballrooms, and then just Mm -hmm. 71 rooms. Oh, okay. The Florentine Room is also in the North Tower. Um, and it was, at the time of the World's Fair, in addition to being, you know, very beautiful painted ceilings, it was a roller rink because roller oh. skating was a new phenomenon during the <gasps> World's Fair. Amazing. And so they, they would gave, uh, give people like penny rentals for mm-hmm. uh, wooden roller skates that they would tie to their shoes and they would let them roller skate across the wooden floor. That's so funny. I could see that because they're like, it's not during the winter, but like ice skating has was already a thing for a long, long time. But so they're long, like, yeah. look at this new invention. You can skate when it's not icy. Exactly. Although I can't imagine it would have been very comfortable doing it on wooden wheels. I feel like I would have fallen a lot. No. Well, yeah. 
But, you know. Right. <laughs> a lot of things weren't as easy back then. That's true. So in those in that space, they also have the Elizabethan room and the Pompeian room, just other notable spaces um, where people could gather. I do want to talk just for a minute about the Colombian World's Colombian ex- Exhibition. Oh, yes, please. You were right. Uh, we touched on the fact that it was the anniversary, 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus. Mm-hmm. Boo! Just for the record. Thank you. That's correct. <laughs> Just wanted to get that out there. I'm excited about the Columbian Exchange, not excited about Columbus. Yeah, Christopher Columbus was a douchebag. So it was actually a huge exhibition. Uh, It had 14 great buildings, and those buildings were designed to be temporary. Uh, It was a six-month run. It took over 690 acres, which is 2.8 kilometers squared for those of us who aren't using acres. (laughs) Nobody knows, literally nobody knows what an acre is, (laughs) even those of us who use acres. So the the 14 great buildings were actually part of 200 new buildings that were temporary um, for that six-month run. And it really was the kind of burgeoning example of American exceptionalism. Uh, This is, of course, all coming from my good friend, Wikipedia. Ooh. It also was a good way for Chicago to show that they had really sprung back from the Chicago fire, the Great Chicago Fire, which was October Mm -hmm. of 1871. And it was, I mean, that was a debilitating fire. Yeah, yeah, it burned down like half the city. Yeah, yeah, no no kidding. 46 different nations actually, even though we call it the Colombian and and it was all about America, 46 Mm -hmm. nations participated. And uh, it was the first time that they had set up national pavilions to talk about the culture and regions and geography of other countries, which is kind of a cool thing. And yeah. it's sort of the idea that Epcot is based on. I was just going to say, I was like, it's like Epcot. <laughs> yes, yes. It was sort of the first Epcot of Epcot. The Ferris wheel debuted there. Yes. Now, yes. when I think of a Ferris wheel, I think of like a county fair Ferris wheel where like two people mm-hmm. sit in a chair and like it goes around in a circle. Oh, yes. The original Ferris wheel was so fucking extra. I have to tell you about this. It was built and designed by George Washington Gale Ferris Jr., which is quite the name. Mm -hmm. It was 264 feet or 80 meters high, had 36 cars, and each car could hold 40 people. Yeah, it was like uh, closer to the like the London Eye. Exactly. Yes. Like a whole car that you could like stand and walk around in. Yes, that give you a view of the city. Mm-hmm. It was such an important thing that in a lot of Latin American countries, a Ferris wheel isn't called a Ferris wheel. It's called a Rueda de Chicago. <gasps> the wheel of Chicago. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. We got a little thing still holding on there. They had life-size re- size replicas of the Nina the, and the Santa... Hmm, yeah. Maria? The Nina, the, Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Nina, Maria. the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. I just learned that the real name of the Nina is actually the Santa Clara. Go figure. Had no idea. Well, all right. Uh, Now, I did look up. Today, you can see the replicas of the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. They travel around to different ports in the Americas. Uh, They are not the same boats. I got really excited and thought that they were. Oh, damn. There's like a hundred years difference in between them. Okay. Okay. Sad. (laughs) Yeah. The very first commercial movie theater was put together for the Chicago World's Fair. It was made for a series of lectures on the science of animal locomotion, so how animals move. And they used a zoetrope. Is this the like first film you see of like the horse running? Yes, exactly. Oh my god. Isn't that fun? I'm so excited. I love history. <laughs> uh, they also have an exhibition called A Street in Cairo. And they brought out 
a very famous dancer for the time period. Her name was Little Egypt, and you have probably seen pictures or cartoon characters based on Little Egypt, and she brings to the Americas belly dancing, which they used Mm. to call the Hoochie Coochie. Yes. Breakfast in Tiffany's would never have been a thing without the Chicago World Fair. Because that? Tiffany, uh, Louis Comfort Tif- Tiffany, made his name there. Oh, okay. So he made a stunning chapel uh, built with Tiffany glass, uh, and it, he showed off what you could do with stained glass windows and different types of, like, treating the glasses. Finally, a lot of stuff that we use today was actually introduced at that World Fair. Uh, mm-hmm. So Juicy Fruit Gum. Gross. My favorite breakfast, cream of wheat. Jen, I think you like this beer, Pabst Blue Ribbon. (laughs) My dad does. That was like the one thing that I was able to impart on my dad from like me learning to like beer was like, my dad used to be a strict like Miller High Life man, Uh a champagne of beers, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, And and then he went to Stroh's. Um, and then around when I started drinking beer, um, I, it was when, you know, there's this explosion of hipster microbrews in Grand Rapids. And but the one uh, takeaway I had from like the cheap version of that was that like all hipsters drink PBR. Uh-huh. And so I was telling my dad about this and he was like, oh, that's funny. I'll get, maybe I'll get some PBR and be a hipster. And now that's all he drinks. It's apparently a pretty good beer. I don't like beer, so I don't think I've ever even tried it. I think it's a fine beer. It's like when I want a cheap, a cheap light beer, I get PBR. But there's also like many, like I, (laughs) my beer palette has developed alongside the explosion of microbrews in Michigan to, I'm kind of snooty about my beers now. And... Uh, so I kind of laugh that that's what my dad drinks, but he, he likes light beer. And so that's what he drinks. Hey, PBR. nothing wrong with that. You know, if yeah. you like what you like, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, all right, well, let's jump back to the Congress. One of the major figures of the Chicago World's Fair, who we've already touched on, is H.H. H. Holmes. H.H. Mm. Yes. H. H. Holmes built his own murder hotel <laughs> yep. and mm-hmm. he had to find victims for it. One of the ways that he would find victims is to go and wait in the lobby of the Congress Hotel until he found a woman alone. And then he would take them back to his hotel for like a cheaper price Mm -hmm. or something like that. And he'd straight up murder them and bury them in the basement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his whole thing was like, oh, do you not have enough money for a hotel? Oh, are you lost? Are you alone? He would like also show up at like train stations and stuff. And he Uh was just like make sure that they didn't have any family around them and then he would take them back and murder them and boil down their skeletons and sell them to doctors yep yep (laughs) yep um so it's it also you know the the congress plaza hotel existed for longer than just uh you know the world's fair so there have been other things since um a number Mm -hmm. of notable people have been involved so like i said hh holmes uh a number of other people i'm just going to run through some names here rover cleveland Mm. uh actually the congress plaza is known as the home of presidents uh the whenever they're on the campaign trail they need a base of operations and often the plaza hotel is what's chosen so interesting uh grover cleveland william mckinley Teddy Roosevelt actually announced his bull moose platform from the Florentine Room. Amazing. William Howard Taft, 
Woodrow Wilson, Warren G. Harding, Calvin Coolidge. Uh, FDR made the um, 1932 headquarters of the Democratic Party uh, right there at the Congress. Uh, and Nixon himself set things up. So, oh, and also Barack Obama. A different famous hotel. Yeah, a little bit different to jump from FDR to Nixon. Not a joke. But uh, Barack, Barack Obama, during his campaign to be president, uh, he was walking a picket line in front of the Congress Hotel uh, where they were striking for higher wages. And he was able to win over a lot of people walking that line. All right. So lots of presidents have stayed there. I think one of the most interesting people who stayed there is somebody we have talked about on the show before, um, Al Capone. (gasps) Ah, gotta love Al Capone. You do. If you were to check the uh, visitor rolls, the the room registers, you'll never see Al Capone's name. He never used his own name when he was checking in. Uh, But it is very well known that he actually played cards there at the Congress Plaza every Friday night. Hmm. It's possible... For a short while, he may actually have owned the Congress Plaza Hotel. Oh. But very notably, he and, and this is a confirmed fact, uh, he was called at the Congress Plaza before and after the St. Uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day Massacre. Yeah. So in 1929, he received phone calls before the event and after the event was finished from Jake Greasy Thumb Gusick. Amazing. I know. Lots of stuff to see while you're there. We talked about some of these uh, very notable spaces. Um, let's talk about how they're haunted. Yes, please. Get, let's get to the fucking point, shall we? I was I was wondering where this was all going. Yeah. The gold room is actually haunted. It's, it's the most famous room here. Uh, it's that gold ballroom, the first air conditioning. As this Congress hotel was being built, uh, one of the workmen who was building the structure accidentally was killed. Oh. Rather than fess up to the death... They boarded up his body in the walls behind the gold room. Okay. How very H.H. Holmes of them. (laughs) Right? So when women go into the closets, uh, sometimes they're met with a ghostly hand reaching out of the wall. No. (laughs) Yeah. They call it the hand of... What is it with ghost men being absolute creeps to women in closets? I think it's because they're from the past. The Me Too movement hasn't hit the paranormal world yet. I feel like we're still in that time. Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Anyway, so that accidental death of the worker uh, resulted in this gloved hand behind the walls, the hand of mystery. Uh, Often brides use the gold room to have their wedding banquets or to take photos. And a consistent problem that many photographers have had is they'll group all these bridesmaids together Mm-hmm. And there will be, no matter how many times they take the photo, some women will be missing. They're real women. They're what not the dead. Fuck? Yeah. <gasps> Just the photo gets messed with and it erases some of the people who are present in front of them. That is both spooky and, as a former wedding photographer, very frustrating. Right? I would be so annoyed. <laughs> yeah. There are many rooms that are actually very famous for how haunted they are. The most commonly problematic room is room 441. Security Mm -hmm. is called to that room almost uh, all the time. Uh, Often people are haunted in there. The shadowy outline of a woman walks through the room. Oh, God. I know. I gave myself goosebumps just thinking about it. (laughs) Ooh. I'm a little high strung. Shiver. 
On the 12th floor, and you can see pictures of this, there's actually a room that has been so problematic that they've locked it from the outside mm. with a heavy padlock. People mm. cannot go in there anymore. Why? What happened? I could not find a story associated with it. Once. Something just knocked. Hang on. Literally, something okay. just knocked at my door. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Hey, Jen. Yeah. There was nothing there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so wish you were here right now because it was such a clear knock. Oh, my God. Also, I <sighs> could have sworn I heard Dan like talking like right before you came back on. But Super great. Maybe. No, Dan's yeah. not here. Okay, that's fine. Oh, hang on. I'm just going to take a second in white light. Uh-huh. Okay. Just kind of push my energy around. Make this space mine. Whew. All right. So we're going to stop being so fucking skittish. So remember the Florentine room? That was mm-hmm. a roller skating rink? Hmm. Late at night, security okay. can actually hear the wooden roller skates running <gasps> over the wooden floorboards. Ooh. Ooh. And they'll hear strains of calliope music that they would have been playing while oh it was functioning god. as a roller rink. Oh my god, that's so creepy. <laughs> I see. I kind of love that. I feel like that's just like a memory, like just etched into a place. It's yeah, not I mean, malicious. It's, like not, it's not bad, certainly, but like it would uh, give me a little shiver if I were yes, there. Yes, I think that's valid. Yes. <laughs> there have been a number of deaths at the Congress Hotel. I'm just going to briefly talk about a couple of them. One of the stories is of a man named James Kennedy. He was a New York man. He checked in all alone. It was May of 1910. Went to his room. He cut the dry cleaning identification tags out of his clothes so that nobody could identify who he was. Mm -hmm. He burned all of his papers, walked into Lake Michigan, and shot himself. Okay. Yeah. He's said to haunt... The hotel. Later that same year, an insurance salesman named Andrew Mack called on his friend at the Congress Plaza hotel room before also mm-hmm. walking out into Lake Michigan and apparently drowning himself. Mm. There was also a salesman who threw himself down an elevator shaft and a drifter who jumped off the roof of the North Tower and a oh troubled family man who hung himself from a covered hook. Ugh. Yeah, lots Thanks. of suicides right in that one space. Oh, that's awful. The following, These stories actually are from the King of Haunted Chicago, Ghosts uh-huh. of the Congress Plaza Hotel, from Chicago mm-hmm. Hauntings Ghost Tours. So summer of 1916, uh, the mining inventor, investor Morse Davis and his wife, uh, they were meant to apparently formed a suicide pact there. Davis was found dead. He had taken mm-hmm. cyanide successfully. Uh, his Oof. wife was almost oh, dead. Successfully. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, he died. Um, his wife was found before, and she she was saved. And she claimed that she hadn't known she was taking cyanide. She thought it was like a headache powder pill. Oh uh, but later she she broke, and she was um, she told the truth. And she also then threw herself out of a third story window. She did not die. She was sent to a psychiatric hospital. Oh my god! Yes. 
Uh, there Ooh. was a woman who was an immigrant from Prague, and mm-hmm. it was not a great time to be an immigrant in America. Which yeah, I mean, it pretty much never was. is. But yeah. <laughs> I suppose now is not quite as bad for someone from Prague. Right. Well, anyways, so she took herself and her sons uh, and threw them from the 13th window of the Congress Plaza. Oh. She was being forced uh, to flee Nazi influence. Uh, she had to leave behind her home and family and come to a oh. place where she wasn't really welcome. And it just got to oh. be too much. Oof. Yeah. In 1950, uh, a, a Congress employee was shot by a guest uh, and then himself when the staff member came into the guest room to collect on a hotel bill. Um, the mm. guy was jobless and desperate. The Stanley Hotel is like downright jolly in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is, right? There are people who've also had accidents, issues with the mm-hmm. hotel elevators. Um, a woman took a wrong step and plummeted six stories. Um, yeah. There have been a number of ghost investigations, uh, and they've always come up with all sorts of great stuff. In the South Tower, which... The South Tower is the larger space where the majority mm-hmm. of the rooms are. Okay. There's a phantom who lingers at the fifth floor passenger elevator. Of the opera? <laughs> a phantom of the opera? The phantom of the elevator. It's not as catchy. Oh. <laughs> it's a very small space to whip his cloak around. That's right. Keep your hand at the level of the button for your room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, this fifth floor, people frequently hear moaning when the elevator arrives. A former hotel operator who'd worked on the property in the 1940s remembers a resident with a wooden leg. He always had a big smile. He was a big tipper. He suffered a heart attack at breakfast during his residency and died. Uh, And some of the other sources that I used, there were quite a few people who referenced hearing a peg leg, like clunking Mm. up and down the hallways. Uh, and affecting people's ability to sleep. So uh, they think that's okay. the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the North Tower, we had room 474. A resident judge there is walking the channel, is changing channels on his television station. Con- people will set the TV and then the TV channel will change and, and they get really frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, in room five, in room 759, another resident, when you go to open your door and walk into the room... Someone will grab the door out of your hand and slam it shut in front of you. Fuck. No, Wouldn't that make well, you uncomfortable? Yes. I would demand a different room. That reminds me of one of my favorite things to do when I was uh, fake haunting uh, Hyde Hall. Mm-hmm. Was There was like a sewing room that I would hide in and people would like walk down the stairs like right past it. And I would like slowly open the door and then slam it shut right as they were walking past. And it was Yes, that would fucking terrify me. Yeah. So then all of these rooms are kind of, uh, you know, you, you smell people. Uh, you'll, you'll see somebody sit on your bed. There's one ghost who kicks women, who kicks people awake. So she kicks mm. their bed until they're woken up in the middle of the night. Fucking rude. Right, I agree. So... Uh, This room is actually the inspiration. This room is the inspiration for the short story 1408. Oh, okay. If you're unfamiliar with that story, it's the story of a ghost hunter who doesn't really Mm. believe in ghosts, and he's always trying to disprove. (laughs) Mm. And he demands to go into this room, 1408, that hasn't been used in years. So the, uh, the idea is that everybody who's ever stayed in room 1408 has committed suicide. 
Mm. Oh, okay. I think I have a vague memory of the trailer for this. Oh, yeah. Um, And so he goes in. He's going to ghost hunt it. And he is led through all sorts of madness uh, through the through the hours of that one night. And I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely well worth checking out. The real life 1408 uh, is believed to exist um, on the most haunted floor, the 12th floor. The 12th floor has the floor where the room is locked from the outside. Um, but they also have a room that they've completely bricked over. You can oh, see where no. the door was, but no. they've plastered over it so that you can't even knock on the door. Um, if that room still had a number, it actually wouldn't be on the 12th floor, the one that's been boarded over. Mm-hmm. It's actually on the 6th floor. Oh, okay. The 66th room oh. on the 6th floor. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So it's room number 666. <laughs> mm. At some point, this war, this whole, the whole door had been drywalled over. You, like I said, you can see the lintel, the, the top of the door frame, but everything else is just drywall. But the yep. room is still back there, keeping something in or keeping <sighs> others out. <laughs> if you ask the staff why that is, none of them will admit to any official story. Okay. They'll just say like, oh, it had like water damage. Oh, it had electrical problems. It wasn't worth it. Blah, 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 blah. No one will stick. Get them drunk. And then let's give it a try. Let's story. go to Chicago and just get them drunk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyone who works there, please tell us. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. So all of these different haunted rooms have actually earned the Congress Plaza Hotel, uh, not only the moniker of one of the most haunted places in Chicago, if not the most haunted place, but also one of the most haunted in America. Wow. And rooms are surprisingly cheap. I don't know if it's just because of the quarantine, but rooms are only 136 a night. Shit, let's go. Let's go, right? As soon as this is over. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not now, but once yeah. <laughs> Right. That's do we have a listener story? We do. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, once again, this week's listener story is brought to you by BetterHelp Online. Uh, you know we're all freaked out right now. So it's we're all stuck in our homes and we're feeling a little hopeless. Um, and I think having someone to talk to um, from the comfort of your home is really helpful right now. Um, and with BetterHelp Online, you have access to trained professionals who are available to talk to you um, through text, through phone, or through uh, FaceTime. Um, and it's you know really great that you can have someone to talk to whenever you want. I completely agree. You are set up with a counselor. Uh, it's not just a random person. They will assess your needs and they'll match you with somebody suitable. You can start communicating with them in just under 24 hours. Now it's important to note that it's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It is professional counseling done securely online. So it's just like uh, going to your therapist, but it happens online, which is something that we all need right now. Absolutely. You have to be socially distant. It's also available to people worldwide, which I think... You know, we have listeners around the world. Thanks, everybody. This isn't just for Americans. This is available to everybody. It's also more affordable than traditional online counseling. Um, and there is financial aid available. So see if there is a plan that fits your budget. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So if you want to check them out, you can go to trybetterhelp.com 
podcast is haunted. That's trybetterhelp.com slash podcast is haunted. And you can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. If you go to that website with our code, you can uh, get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash podcast is haunted. Yeah, 10% off y'all get that savings. All right. Well, they're sponsoring our listener story. Let's have a listener story. All right. So uh, this week's listener story comes to us from McGee, who is one of our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. Uh, They write, hi, ladies. First of all, I am a huge fan of your podcast. I just started listening a few weeks ago, and I'm only about 20 episodes in. This is uh, from April of last year, so about a year ago. We got there Um, eventually. Yes, yes. Uh, But I went through and I looked and I can't believe you guys haven't talked about the Isles of Shoals in New Hampshire yet. It is wicked haunted. So maybe we'll put that on the list. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a few stories myself, but this one, this is the creepiest one. My family has been going to Star Island, one of the bigger islands since I was five. A few years ago, I was staying in the room next to my sister and her wife. The buildings on Star Island are very old, so a lot of the rooms have adjoining doors, including between mine and my sister's room. That night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could hear heavy breathing. (laughs) Hey, also, I just noticed that this is also about a hotel. Oh, great. (laughs) Um, Okay. Understandably, I assumed it was my sister or her wife in the adjoining room and went back to sleep. The next morning, I woke up and it was... Only then I remember that my sister and her wife weren't on the island yet. <gasps> so there was no one in the room next to me. Ooh! Got off to go to the bathroom. Shared bathrooms in the hall. Love it. Old hotels. <laughs> for real. And as I walked past the door for the room adjoining mine, it flew open. <gasps> Fuck. No! I again assumed it was just something like wind from an open window i peeked into the room no open windows (sighs) needless to say i freaked out got dressed really quickly and refused to go back up to my room until my sister and her wife arrived that afternoon which i assume you like just didn't tell them about or (laughs) were you like just so you know your room's super haunted super fucking haunted sorry about that don't want to switch bye Uh, oh my god (laughs) have fun sleep well um mine is only one of dozens if not hundreds of stories about those islands seriously you could do a whole episode about that place you guys should check it out anyway thanks for making the best podcast of all time thank you love listening to you guys mickey oh my god can i just say that i've really like this episode has scared me (laughs) yeah my, I have all my hair standing up and I super want to leave my barn for the safety of like my pets and husband. Ooh, yes. I like, I don't normally feel unsafe in the barn, but I super want to leave right now. Well, we will uh, wrap this up then. Before we go, we have some new patrons to thank. Oh, um, thank you. So we have Katie. Um, thank you, Katie. Um, Great name. We have, oh, look who it is. It is a certain Anna and Elliot Voss. Thank you. Thank Aww. you so much. Um, Did they finally catch up to our catalog where we have a Patreon? Um, I They maybe did. And you know what? This is making <laughs> me think that I should probably just, you know, like text them because I'm sure Elliot won't listen to this for like another three months. So right. thank you, Anna and Elliot. 
And also thank you, Joanna Vasquez and Dana. So thank you all so much. Um, and then we have a few existing patrons that actually um, upped their pledge. So what? thank you to Charmaine H and Ashley Black. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys uh, so much. Really quick, just for like one second. Guess what yesterday was? What? Ashley Black's motherfucking birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ashley Black. Happy birthday, my beautiful friend. Uh, I'm sorry that your birthday was on quarantine, but I'm glad we got to see each yeah. other. Aw. So, yeah, thank you all so much. It makes me really happy that people are still giving uh, during this time that everyone is experiencing financial hardships. Again, we said this last time, but, like, please don't, like, if you are experiencing hardship yourself uh, and you need to cut down on some of your expenses, don't feel bad about, you know, cutting us. But, like, also, right. thank you so much. It means a lot that you... If you also can never support us, that is completely fine, and we still love you so much. 100%. Yeah. So thank you all. Uh, if you want to check us out, we are on patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. This last month, I did a little video about playing Sims, and I had a very fun costume party where uh, I made Sim versions of me and you, Kate, and we had a little, uh, we had a very chaotic costume party in our apartment, and <laughs> it was very fun. Uh, so check that out, and uh, yeah, we'll see what we come up with for this next month. Um, I should have to do it myself since you had to do the last one yourself. Yeah, fucking right. Um, <laughs> um, if you want to hang out with us on the free web, uh, you can find us on social media. Our, our socials are listed below in the description. Um, and you can find our Facebook group at this podcast is haunted uh, discussion group on Facebook. The happiest and most supportive corner of the internet. Indeed it is. Seriously, they all make me so happy. It, yeah. It really does. Um, so that will do us for another fortnight. Um, yeah. Kate, do you want to? Yeah. Uh, see you guys in a fortnight and uh, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Stay spooky. Bye. Whew. I really like, I'm so skeeved out right now. <laughs> <laughs>